Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is Justin. Stick it out. It's good to be back in Baltimore. Um, my first time coming here was uh, in March of 2020, and a couple, I had all these dreams and, and desires of getting to know you guys more and, and coming down lots, and then the world shut down like three days after we left <laughs> and wasn't able to come back. Uh, but really, I mean, like Ben said, um, Ben and Becca have known my wife their whole life, um, and I, I only recently um, have gotten to know you more. Um, but just love your, your church, love your pastors, and really have really come to love Baltimore. I was excited to drive back into Baltimore yesterday and just been praying for the city, praying for you guys. And it's just amazing how God knits our hearts um, together. Um, as, as Ben said a couple weeks ago, you talk, talked about building on a firm foundation, building our, our house on a rock and not on sand, which is a good idea. Um, as I was thinking about that, and then one of the questions that our, one of the students asked on the way down yesterday, they're asking about how I hear God's voice, how I hear God. And I said, that's a complicated question. Um, but I think, as I was thinking about that this morning, I was thinking about how sometimes, um, sometimes I do feel like I know what God is asking me to do. Uh, but most of the time, I just feel like I know what the Bible has said about God, and that kind of sets me on a course. Uh, how you know so much of the scriptures tell us about who, about God, who God is, what He's like, uh, what He asks of us, what how He responds to people, and then we get to the life of Jesus, and Jesus gives us some amazing teaching that we can follow, and, and some direction, and, and some very specific things that He wants us to follow. But then we also see the way that Jesus lived. And so we have both of those. We have both what he said, and we also have just his example. And he's still speaking. The Holy Spirit is still speaking. He's always speaking. I think God is always speaking. But but I also have so much to go off of in the scriptures. And, you know, life is tough. (laughs) Uh, You know, Jesus said in that, in that, telling us about building our our house on a rock, he says, when the storm comes. Because it comes. And, I mean, Ben Ben knows, uh, he's been walking with me for a couple years now, he knows I've had some pretty, some storms um, to walk through. And I know you guys have had too, and Ben has had some storms too, and Rebecca. But we know that storms are going to come. It's not following Jesus. is not like okay, we're we're on the right path and everything's going to be great. We know it's going to be tough. Um, but as we're going through that, what can we lean back on? And I had somebody ask me a question a couple months ago. I was really struggling with an area of my life, with our family, and just really discouraged. And my friend asked, "Well, go back to that moment when God told you to do this." It's good, but the problem is, is I don't remember God telling me to do that. <laughs> and it wasn't because I had made the wrong decision, but it was because when, when I stepped into an area in our life and opening up our home, I didn't do that because I heard God say, okay, open up your home and bring some more people into your home. I knew that was the character of God. And so I, I, don't, I couldn't go back to a moment where God said, do this audibly or do this like feeling-wise, although I love what was spoken this morning, how following God is sensory, like it, it's, it's just all, it takes all your senses. I just love that, that idea. Um, 
But when it, when it, but getting through the moment a couple months ago, or really a long moment, wasn't relying back on this audible voice. It was just relying back on the character of God and the character that I know He designed us for. And and so much of just making it through is is, is making is is just looking ahead and saying, what do I know about God? You know, when I was in high school and college, we all wore bracelets that said WWJD. I think they're they're still around, but it really is a, a just a great way to live, based on what I know about what Jesus said, and what I know about how He lived. What what would He do? It's, I don't think it's supposed to be hard to figure out what Jesus would do. We get we get caught up sometimes just trying to figure out what am I supposed to do? What 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 should I do? And we pray and we don't feel like we heard God specifically, but I don't think it's supposed to be that hard. Because and for me, I, I look back at Genesis and the creation and, and God speaking to Adam and Eve and he takes them, he puts them in the garden, he says, All of this, eat freely. Don't do that one thing over there. And really, that's, I think that's how God still speaks to us. He says, there is so much mm-hmm. good that you can do. Mm-hmm. Don't do that, because that'll get you in trouble. But there's, you have options. You have, there's, there's paths you can go. And for me, that's really freeing, because sometimes it can be really hard. When I ask God, A or B, He usually doesn't speak to me. <laughs> And I get frustrated. I'm like, come on, God, A or B? <laughs> and then I realize, okay, well, they're both good. Which one's maybe better? Or which one do I want to do? Because God puts desires into our hearts. And, and they're good desires. And so I, I just hope to speak to you this morning just in following Jesus. And, and you know, for our family, kind of... Kind of uh, one, one, one of the scriptures that is so important to me, and I think it's just all of us, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way. <laughs> Following him is, is the best way to live. Mm-hmm. Following him, he is, he is truth. God is truth. And following him is the way for life. And, you know, it was, especially raising children, it's a lot easier to just say, well, actually, it's not easier. It seems easier to just say, just do it. <laughs> just do this, just obey me. Especially with my youngest son, that doesn't work. <laughs> very, very good. Uh, but with Danny, he, he does everything I say right at the first time. He's, he's very, very obedient. But it, it, I, we think it's easier just, just to, to know, this is what I'm supposed to do, just do it. But really, it's not. It's not supposed to be that way. It's not, it's not supposed to be about religion and just coming to church because that's what I'm supposed to do. It's supposed to be just life. Yeah. And even in, even in raising kids and, and just sending them out to school and out to college and, and, and just to the world, I've tried, I've tried to be an example because if I'm not a good example, then my words are hollow. Um, but I've tried to be an example to say, there's a phrase that I like, that all truth is God's truth, because God is truth. <laughs> and so I shouldn't be afraid of the search for truth. Mm-hmm. 
I shouldn't be afraid if people are questioning, if people are looking, if people are hungry. Right. Even if they aren't finding it right away, if their heart is after truth, right. the Holy Spirit, Jesus says it's better for I, that I go that the Holy Spirit can come and he will lead you into truth. He does a much better job leading people into truth than I do. Yeah. I got a lot of opinions. I got a lot of thoughts about what you should do. But the Holy Spirit does a much better job than I do. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. And that life is full of storms and difficulties and joys and successes and, and beautiful things. But it's not, I, I guess the one thing that I, I hope maybe you walk away from, from what I'm saying is, is that God, he has so much that he's already shared. He has so much direction, so many good things that you can do. Just go and love somebody. <laughs> Just mm -hmm. go and love people. Go and, and show love more. Mm -hmm. And not get caught up in trying to decide, should I go down that road that way or that way? Should I speak to that person or that person? Should I marry that person? Or... <laughs> Just make good decisions. <laughs> and you know what's great when you don't make good decisions? Is that God's still there when you figure that out. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you. Jessica's going to come up and share. about the wise builder in his house, you know, the rains when, Justin was saying, when the rains, not if they come, that the house stood. And the biggest word to me in that and what God has done in my life in the last few years is just that standing, that, that still standing, the stood part. Um, it's just a little backstory of my life. I have five kids. They're all amazing. We've adopted two. But two of my biological children have severe autism. Um, not just like a little quirky, like severe. Um, my daughter's body right now is covered in bruises. It's gotten bad lately because she self-harms herself, hits herself, throws herself down the stairs. Um, it's not an easy life. And when my daughter, my daughter was diagnosed, she's soon to be 15, but she was diagnosed at three. And I didn't even really know what autism was. So I was like, oh, I think I saw a commercial once. Like, that was all I knew. <laughs> um, and so it was a... a journey and lots of meltdowns and pretty much I spent eight years unable to leave my house. Um, had to stop working, um, had to, couldn't go on vacation with the family, couldn't go to eat at a restaurant. Sometimes we couldn't even make it through a drive through because she'd start screaming in the intercom and we'd have to drive away without our food. And of course that was a hard season. You still stand, I believe God's there, I'm a pastor, right? <laughs> I know he's real. I can't deny the things he's done in my life, but I'm walking through this super, super hard storm. And through that all, God, you know, I was very angry at God for a long time. And I processed through that. It took some years, took some counseling, took some time. 
Um, but God met me there, and through that storm, me and my husband decided we're going to have, we wanted to have more kids. We only had two at the time. I always wanted to have a big family, but the doctor said to us, listen, you have a one in four chance that your other children will be severely autistic, so you want to play with those odds? And I said, God, I don't want to live my life in fear. I don't want to spend my life making decisions because I'm afraid what could happen. That's the opposite of faith. So we made the decision that, okay, God, we started fostering, but we also said if we have a baby naturally, we have a baby. Like, whatever you want, God. It kind of happened all at the same time. We got a little foster baby who's now my son, Isaac, and then I found out two weeks later I was pregnant. But fast forward a little bit, and through when my pregnancy, my son, Jacob, my biological son, turns three, he's diagnosed with severe autism, and we go to the same developmental center, and we drive on the same highway, and we meet with the same doctors. And, and the way I felt then was different than the way I felt before. It was like, God, wait a second. We stepped out in faith. It was a different kind of hurt or a different kind of storm because it was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, the first time, yes, we live in a broken world. Yes, there's uh, genetic abnormalities. Yes, the environment, whatever. The second time, it was like, really? God, I don't, I don't understand. And so the word there, the stand word, means a lot to me. Because one of the things that God has taught me through these eight years of kind of being a shut-in, was that just because I don't hear him, kind of like Justin was saying, and it feels like God's giving me the silent treatment, it doesn't actually mean he doesn't care. Like if we equate silence when you pray about something and you don't hear it, if you equate it with that God doesn't love you anymore, your, your life isn't based or built upon the foundation of his love. It's actually built upon your feelings or your circumstances, which may be terrible, but that does not negate the love of God and what he has for you. And so I was in this place of feeling very torn, like I know this is true and I'm building my life on this, but I am feeling and living this. What do you do when you go to those times? And several years back, I was a, um, it was a season, <laughs> I was a basketball assistant coach for um, Biddy Basketball. So you're talking about, I mean, little kids, kindergarten through second grade. And pretty much you just made sure they were all alive and still in the gym. I mean, it was kind of a free-for-all. And all we did the entire, it was every Saturday, and all we did was teach them to dribble, we taught them how to shoot, and we taught them, what was the third one, how to pass. All year long. Yeah, they had stations, or all season, and they just rotated to each. This is how you pass the ball, bounce pass, chest pass. This is how you shoot the ball. You know, most of them can make it to the hoop, you know, couldn't even get up there. Um, that's all we did the whole year. Well, the very last day, the coach, the head coach said, let's do something different. Let's do something fun. Let's put them all in center court. And they're, you know, they're getting better at dribbling. We're going to put them all in center court. We'll play a game. And all they got to do is try to knock the ball. They got to keep dribbling themselves, but try to knock the ball out of one of the teammates' hands. And if your ball gets knocked out when you're dribbling, you're out of the circle. And like the last man standing wins. So we thought this was a great idea. The problem, <laughs> you're laughing because you know. What I didn't realize was, so there was this one kid that was just the best. So he's like, you know, his dad was probably like a basketball coach at high school. So he's just like knocking everybody's and he's still dribbling. And, and this one little girl, I remember her name, comes up to me and she just got her ball, like, you know, knocked out of her hand. 
And she comes up to me, and her eyes are welled with tears, and she goes, Mrs. Hurlblad, he, he stole my ball, or he hit my ball. And I go, yeah, that's the point. And I realized in that moment, they had spent a whole season never experiencing opposition. They'd never played a game. They had never had anybody steal something from them. And it was in that moment that I realized, oh, wow, we're teaching them these skills, but they don't even get the concept that somebody's going to try to stop them. And she got mad at me. She, like, refused to practice the rest. She, like, waved her little finger at me and yelled at me, like, how could you let him do that? And she went and sat with her mom, and she refused to practice the rest of the practice. And I, I remember thinking about that all week, and I was like, that's what we do to God. Because he's the one with a whistle in his mouth. And we might, if you've been in church enough, you know he didn't cause it. Hopefully, if you don't know that, we live in this broken world, right? And the enemy is trying to oppose us. He is the opposing team. And his strategy is take the best players out first. Because if the star player isn't on the court, then, yeah, we're going to win the game, right? But what I realized just in that silly little story about basketball was like, that was me waving my finger at God saying, why didn't you do something? Why didn't you, we stepped out in faith, God, why didn't you do something? And I felt like, you know, almost like the way I felt about poor Zoe, like, no, honey, that's like, this is, this is like, there's opposition, it's coming, and, and I still love you, and you're, you know, and, and it was just this moment where it just really hit me. And I realized one of the enemy's greatest tactics, because you know we're in a spiritual battle, it's raging above your head, whether you realize it or not. And one of the greatest tactics of the enemy is to convince you that his work is God's. So that you can be against him and you're immediately drafted onto the enemy's team. You don't even realize it. Because if you're angry at God for the things that you're struggling with in your life, suddenly you're like waving your little finger at him and, and you're not playing on his team anymore or you're out on the bench. But as me and my husband say, on a, a battlefield, there's no bench, guys. <laughs> you can't. There's no timeouts. Like, somebody want a timeout, but seems like there's no bench there. And if there was, there'd still be bombs going off around you. Right? And so there's just this whole thought of, like, I'm never, like, being grounded on the word and standing. Like, I will never, I don't want to, I shouldn't say ever, because I feel like I have. I don't want to wave my finger at God. Because he loves me. He's for me. My foundation is built on that love. It's not built upon the, the battle going on around me. That if anything, it makes me more angry at the enemy. And it makes me stand back up, wipe the gravel, gravel off my knees and say, no way. Not, not, not on my time. Not today. I'm getting back in this game and I'm going to fight again because this is, this isn't, you're not going to turn me against him. I'm going to fight this battle and you're not going to stop me kind of thing. So I just want to encourage you. I want to read one more verse um, just along the whole lines of the stand. And you, I'm sure if you've been in church at all, you've heard this before. This is Ephesians 6, where it talks about the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God, right? If Jesus is telling us to strap on armor, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> right? Um, so Ephesians 6, a final, verse 10, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's army so you'll be able to stand firm. Stand, Okay. There it is again. Against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. 
Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of, the e of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm, just like that house in the storm. Stand, wow, there it is again, your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arts of the devil. Put on the helmet of salvation and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of the God. Um, sorry, I'm skipping by. Anyway, you see over and over again, stand so that you can stand, so that you can stand. God doesn't want professional fighters. He wants good standers. And the truth is, all that requires of you is to get back up. To get back up and say, no, not on my day. No, like I'm going to keep following you, Jesus, no matter what. No matter what storms come my way. I was praying for somebody just recently. There was a, we had a small little women's gathering um, at a church in Malone. She was talking about something going on in, with her family. And she kept saying, it just feels like a whirlwind. Like this chaos with my kids and my life and my big kids and my small kids and my own life and health and all of these things. And I just like... I said, I know, I, I can understand. If anyone can understand, I can understand. And I said, but don't ever let the whirlwind get in here. Because that's where our foundation is. This can happen all around me, but I'm going to stand. I'm going to be unmovable. And not because I have the strength. We're, already, we're just standing in the victory that Christ already paid for us on the cross. We already know we win. And I just love that fact that the only way we fight is with our mouth, the sword of the spirit, right? I don't have to do anything. I'm actually resting. I'm actually just standing back up and holding my ground because the victory was already won 2,000 years ago. I'm just standing in it. I'm standing in that place and I'm declaring it with my mouth. And so I just want to encourage you guys that if you're going through a season of overwhelm right now, um, if you're going through what feels like chaos or a whirlwind, um, I know especially, you know, as moms or if you have young kids, you can feel like that really easy. But, you know, in all seasons of life, we can experience this just kind of chaos happening around us that, you know, you don't have to fix it all. It's not your job. I, I was speaking a couple of months ago to our church and I said, if somebody get, makes you a promise, whose job is it to keep the promise? The person that made it, right? I said, if I told Sydney I was going to give her $1,000 next Sunday at church, what does she have to do? I maybe come to church, you know, that would be helpful to get it. But besides that, what does she have to do? She doesn't have to call me up midweek and be like, hey, just going to remind you, remember that $1,000 check you need to give me? My name is S-Y-D, spell it like that for the check, you know, N-E. What does she have to do? She doesn't have to do anything. Because the burden isn't on her. She didn't make the promise. She just has to receive the promise. So sometimes we try to switch roles and we try to be the promise keeper. We try to be the chaos or the peacemaker, right? Um, he is. So just be released from that. You know, there's just people carrying burdens, I feel like, that are not yours to carry. Your job is to stand. So, mm hope -hmm. well, that bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica, Justin, Sydney, thank you so much. Um, so by way of reminder, what we're talking about is Jesus teaching that if we will build our lives on his teaching, that when the storms of life come, 
the house of our life will stand, will be strong. So we believe that he, and remember, Jesus followers, that's what we are here, right? We're helping people take next steps in following Jesus, right? Jesus followers, we look to Jesus as Savior and King. He is reliable. His teaching is reliable. And so we've talked about that in our small groups. If you're not a part of one of our small groups, please uh, grab Rebecca, myself, or someone else in the church and find out how you can get involved. We've been going through that in our Bible study and a part of or related to what Justin said, how God sees things. But I want to just give you a quick practical thing you can do today. Are you ready for that? So if you have something in your life that you think about is affected in this building my life today, if you have a topic, I want you to open up Google or ask Siri, whatever your method is, and put these words in, Bible, Jesus, and whatever your topic is, sex, money, Marriage, parenthood, lying, greed. What, what, what is the thing? Worry. Put that word, just those words. Bible, Jesus, and the word that you're thinking about. And then look at the scripture references that come up. And then go read those scripture references. Before you read anybody's blog or anybody's YouTube video that's their opinion. Go to the scripture. And then look, open up, look at the chapter. Remember, the Bible app is free on your phone. And is Jesus the one who's talking? And who is Jesus talking to? And then what did they do about what he said? That's how, that's, because I know it can be like, oh, this is kind of hard. This is, what do I do? I don't understand how to do that. And I, but I've got these struggles in my life. And I don't think that what they're talking about today actually relates to what I'm frustrated about. You hear me? It's good. Are you with me? How many of you here today would say that you've done that and it's been helpful? Yeah? Yeah. So just ask Siri, okay, Bible, Jesus, and the Word. Just put in those three words, look at the scripture reference, and try building your life based on what Jesus said. Yeah? Good. I want to pray, close in prayer today, give us a chance to uh, uh, greet each other. Remember, next Sunday... You celebrate the church anniversary with the fellowship meal after service. You don't need to bring food, so please plan ahead. I'll be in the fellowship hall after service. Uh, next Sunday is going to be a lot of fun. We've got some fun things planned. But I know you might be sitting here today and just feeling like, ah, this isn't easy. So I want to pray for you as we close in prayer today. God, I thank you so much that you save us because you love us. You don't leave us on earth alone, scrapping to try to figure it out. But you've given us scripture, objective truth that's reliable. You sent Jesus. You showed love by sending Jesus, our Savior and King. That you make it possible for us to be forgiven of our wrongs, to experience real freedom, to experience real joy. You've been so good. So today... Lord, for any person that is struggling, that is hurting, that thinks this is hard and hard to understand, we pray that you come right now by your Holy Spirit. 
Lift their eyes. Help them to see what you want them to see. Hear what you want them to hear. Help them to walk away today with courage. Lord, that they would feel stronger and more equipped to walk this out. Lord, because we know that right now Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for us. And Jesus experienced a human life tempted in every way that we are. We thank you, God, that you are not in a vacuum, but you know perfectly who we are and what we're experiencing. And that your love is the most powerful thing on planet Earth. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.